something you should know about me. I'm kind of a cliche. Like as a writer and a creator of stuff. I I have a podcast. Welcome aboard if you're new. Thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for sticking around if you're not new. Love ya. Uh, Also, I have a blog, a newsletter. I write books. I speak. I'm one of those people. It's kind of cliche in the digital age, right? The era of social media stuff. Um, Let's see. What else? My favorite mug sitting right here. Hold on one second. Ah, yes. Espresso black, which in and of itself maybe is a little cliche. Uh, My mug here says, I just want to drink coffee, create stuff, and sleep. Okay, pretty cliche, given that I'm a creator of things. Um, I wrote my first book, Break the Wheel, last year at a coffee shop, a very hipster coffee shop at that, down the street from my former home in Queens, New York, drinking my $17 lattes. And of course, because I'm a creative cliche, I love quotes about creativity. Like this one here from Johnny Ive, uh, formerly the head of design at Apple. He says, We did it because we cared. Because when you realize how well you can make something, falling short feels like failure. Yes, love that. Or or how about this one from Maya Angelou? You can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. Like, amen to that. Or this quote from John Cleese of Monty Python fame. Creativity is not a talent. It's a way of operating. Hell yes, preach, brother. Or... One of my all-time favorite quotes from my all-time favorite storyteller, Anthony Bourdain, who said this. It's not always a great idea to follow your passion. If you're passionate about something that you will never be good at, at some point you're going to have to recognize that. But if you feel in your heart, if you know, if you have reason to believe that you can be awesome at something, that you can do something unique that will shock and astound and terrify people and bewitch them, do that. So good. Uh, By the way, if you want to know where that came from, it's from a web series called Raw Craft. Go search on YouTube for Anthony Bourdain, Raw Craft. It's a mini series he created online with the Scotch brand, the Balvenie. Unbelievable and kind of a hidden gem if you're a fan of his work. So, So those types of things inspire me. I find myself agreeing with them. I draw motivation from them. And then what happens? Well, what happens to any of us when we're feeling inspired? reality hits. We go back to work. And and then I find myself wondering, okay, but but how? How can we do work we care about? How can we do that more consistently until it becomes a way of operating and delivers something unique that shocks, astounds, and bewitches people? How can we do that? Well, I think it all begins with how we understand this idea, whatever you want to call it, creativity, innovation, whatever. It's new, it's different, it's refreshing. It's unthinkable. Stories of conventional thinking at work and the people who dare to question it. I'm Jay Akunzo. And just as a reminder... Two things. One, if you haven't heard last episode, Innovation Impossible, this may not make as much sense. So I'd encourage you to go back and take a listen. Number two, 
This is a preview of some of my new work that I've been going through for the last six months, the new concepts I'm working on, the new research I'm doing, uh, all in the name of creating a killer keynote speech and the eventual second book. So if you have any questions about my speaking, please go to jayacunzo.com. All right, let's get started. We often make an assumption about creativity, that we're creating something from nothing. That's creativity. But we're never really starting from nothing. There's always a status quo, always inputs into our minds, and always pre-existing conditions into which we introduce something different. Okay, so creativity isn't doing something from nothing. Creativity is doing something different. But, but not just different, right? I mean, I could let the rest of this episode run its course without saying another word. Like this. Like, I'm certainly different as a podcaster if I'm just quiet, but am I good? Is that a different anybody actually wants? Please don't say yes. <laughs> They're just my feelings. They're just my feelings. They'll heal. Okay, so we're seeking different and good, different and welcome. So I think creativity is about reinventing the status quo in a refreshing way. It's a way that's both different and welcome. So how do we typically go about that? Well, in the last episode called Innovation Impossible, we dove into a process that we normally go through to innovate. We deem innovation or creativity these big ideals and we think we have to pull a random stunt. We have to pull what I call random acts of creativity. And the problem is we face this decay in our results and in how others feel about our work, which we call emotional decay. This process of people who like it then tolerate it, then look elsewhere, then leave. The results are great, then we get diminishing returns, then we stagnate, then it craps out. And then what we do is panic. We pull random stunts, we try to innovate and change only after it's too late. So what if we could make innovation proactive? We could make it a habit instead of a Hail Mary. Instead of reacting every time we need some idea, jump in a room and brainstorm, grab a new trend, hire a new consultant, instead of acting like that, what if innovation was just consistent? That's where we landed last time. And this time, we have to dive into two concepts to better understand how to make innovation just the way we operate. One concept explains what others go through and helps us identify where we need to change and when. The other concept I want to explore today is a list of five ways we can innovate, five ways we can reinvent the work in a refreshing way. Ooh, that one's a hot one. Hey. To help make sense of that, I thought we could use an example. Let's use a show because by definition, a show is an exercise in reinvention. Hey, what's going on everybody? For First Week Feast, I'm Sean Evans and you're watching Hot Ones. It's the show with hot questions and even hotter wings. And today we're joined by comedian Pete Holmes. I thought you were gonna say hotter guests. He's the star and creator of HBO's hit series, Crashing, which enters... So let's use an example of a show, uh, and we're going to use Hot Ones. Hot Ones is a web series on YouTube from Sean Evans, the host and the creator. They are now owned by Complex, which is a very successful digital media company. And you can find Hot Ones on the YouTube channel, First We Feast, which has other programs and other content about the intersection of pop culture and food. So the concept of Hot Ones is rather simple. 
Sean Evans interviews celebrities. Today we're joined by Halle Berry, Scarlett Johansson, Shaquille O'Neal, Seth Meyers. And while they chat, they eat progressively spicier wings. So, for example, here's comedian Pete Holmes, who's reacting to a mild wing. Not too spicy, right? No. And here's an example of Pete reacting to a really spicy wing later on. Plus one. Yeah, you knew. You knew what you did. Yeah. You know what you gave me. You gave me the bomb. This is not the bomb. No, it's not. It's more like a bomb. Mm-hmm. Something that's da bomb. Let me mansplain this to you. School me. <laughs> okay, this just one the, more for fun. Uh, like let's do Trevor it. Noah of The Daily Show. This is the mild wing. This is the beginning. This is nice. Just nice tingles the tip of your tongue, mm-hmm. you know? And several wings later, this is a really spicy one. Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus. It's just pain. What? Why? So from the outside looking in, the innovation here, the creativity at play is that you're interviewing celebrities, just like a lot of other shows, but enter the innovation, we are going to eat spicier and spicier wings while we interview them. Now, yeah, it is kind of a gimmick, although it does fit. The gimmick fits on a food channel. I've seen some brands try to do their version of Hot Ones, and their company has nothing to do with food nor selling hot sauce. By the way, yes, Hot Ones is a vehicle to sell hot sauce. It's great content marketing. They've since created products. They don't just sell ads. Beautiful model. But... It's a gimmick nonetheless, and that gimmick is a hook. It's a way to cement in your mind what this show is about and how it's different. There's that word again, different. So we think, from the outside looking in, that's the innovation. And that's because what we think creativity means is pulling that random stunt, doing that one thing different and riding it for all it's worth. Here's what we assume people go through in their experience of us. They arrive with a set of expectations... This is a celebrity interview, or I've seen this person, Trevor Noah, interviewed elsewhere. Now I'm going to see him interviewed by Sean. That initial expectation set is then exceeded, in this case, by the Wings gimmick, and we experience a thrill of novelty. So now you have like three little steps in our experience of Hot Ones. We arrive with an initial set of expectations, they exceed our expectations, and we feel a thrill of novelty. Once we feel a thrill of novelty, something magic kicks in, and that's very important for all of us building anything experiential, content, a process, a team, anything. The thrill of novelty, as studies show, like a recent study at the University of Edinburgh, the thrill of novelty or any novel experience creates something called behavioral tagging in the brain. It's a fancy term that essentially means the formation of a longer-term memory. So now we have a great and positive and long-lasting memory of whatever we deemed as creative, an interview with a celebrity, but through the lens of eating spicier wings. And now we think that's innovation. We think that's creativity. But it's a stunt. It's a gimmick. It might be a gimmick they repeat, a stunt they pull every episode, but it is a stunt. It's not the real work. The work is not done. In other words, it's not enough to create word of mouth or loyalty, passion, affinity, nothing. That's what we think happens. Initial expectations then those expectations are exceeded, the thrill of novelty is felt, behavioral tagging kicks in, and we have a positive memory. And then, I don't know, profit? Question mark? But no. Something deeper is going on. And Sean and the team behind Hot Ones understand that. Because they reinvent the work all the time. Now, the forcing function of doing so is they have a new guest every time. That's one way to reinvent the work. And also to keep us around as an audience. Because... 
great marketing today isn't about who arrives, it's about who stays. That's what makes shows so powerful. They're about who stays. So the forcing function, the exercise of consistent reinvention, kicks in and Sean interviews a new celebrity every single episode, obviously. But the more subtle ways he reinvents speak to his true ability as a creator, as an innovator. Buried inside the episode, they start to remix the show. Interesting. Instead of just question, question, question about your career, he'll introduce a new segment. Like one of my favorite segments buried deep within an episode will be something called Explain That Graham. All right, Trevor, we have a recurring segment on our show called Explain That Graham, where we do a deep dive on our guest's Instagram, pull interesting pictures that need more context. So I'll cool. bust out the laptop. I'll show you the picture. You just tell me the bigger story. Does that sound good? Shoot. All right, laptop, please. They also have something at the very end called The Last Dab. So this is The Last Dab. We call it The Last Dab because it's tradition around here to put a little extra on the last wing. You don't have to if you don't want to, Trevor Noah. You say that as reverse psychology. Now I have to do it. Basically, what you just said to me, the translation was, if you would like to be a little bitch, you're welcome. <laughs> That's what you did. So now I have to indulge with you. So those segments, these remixed or reinvented sections of the show, represent subtler innovations. It's not as visible. It's not as gimmicky. It's not as stunt-like as saying we interview celebrities with different spicier wings. But it is just as, if not more, innovative and just as powerful. It's not enough to exceed expectations once. We have to do so repeatedly, whether we build an audience or we just want affinity, loyalty, and action from whoever we're sharing the work with. We can't rely on one moment of exceeding expectations because since when is one moment with us enough for anything good to happen? No, we have to look at what happens upon deeper engagement. Trust is earned over time. If we want people to advocate for us, That starts with their commitment to us, and relationships require deeper engagement. Sean knows this. So what happens during the deeper engagement? Well, something kind of troubling, but if we can understand it, we can turn it into an opportunity. As people start to consume our work and spend time with it, because remember, we exceeded expectations once, now they're exploring it more, spending more time with it. They're starting to make sense of it. And that's a process I call identifying anchors. Anchors are the qualities of a project or a brand which audiences can recall and we can control. So in the case of Hot Ones, you might already have a few anchors even before consuming a single episode. But if you were to watch an episode, you would talk about it like this. Okay, so it's an interview with celebrities. That's one anchor. It's on YouTube. It's a video series. That's another. It's hosted by Sean. That's a third. Uh, They eat progressively spicier wings. Sean is kind of awkward and funny. It's really well researched. They have these 10 questions over 10 wings. That's the formation of anchors, the qualities of a project or brand which you can recall, and we, as the creators of the work, can control. Now, you're not going to remember every detail, but these are the things that stick out. And when you start to identify anchors, when any audience goes through an experience and starts to identify anchors, that process creates a new set of expectations. Now, whatever you did to create that thrill of novelty originally, to exceed their expectations once, is no longer sufficient. At all. They've created a new set of expectations. So what worked before won't work now. What was once exceptional no longer is. And if all you do every episode, every moment, every project, every day is kick out the same work 
over and over and over again, the problem we explored last episode kicks in. Emotional decay. Your work stagnates. The results start to dry up. And that's why those segments like Explain That Gram and The Last Dab are so important. They represent these remixed or reinvented moments, both within one episode, because it's question, answer, question, answer, surprise, or across episodes, because they don't always go through the same segments. If you watch all these episodes, they find new and subtle ways to reinvent both the segment and structure of the episodes and the delivery of the content, the production of the show. So what does this mean for our work? Well, if we can understand the anchors others identify in our work, we can then add in a small wrinkle, a tiny reinvention, a small innovation. In other words, rather than have them create a new set of expectations and have us meet it, we could find tiny ways to keep them guessing, to keep exceeding their expectations, to give them little moments of surprise. We can help our audiences understand that they should expect the unexpected. I think that's what great innovators do. They help their audience expect the unexpected. They avoid emotional decay. They avoid stagnation, not by pulling random stunts, not by acting after it's too late, but by proactively changing what's working while it's still working. Because while something's working and people are engaging with it, they're creating new sets of expectations. So you have to give them little wrinkles along the way. And that helps them renew their interest in you experience new thrills of novelty, which further cements behavioral tagging and positive memory. This is our advantage, routinely providing little surprises, little reinventions, tiny moments of innovation all the time, not pulling big stunts once in a while. That is the process of reinvention. Without fail, Teams behind innovative work organically innovate. It seems to come naturally. The way they operate reveals to them when they should change and what they should change. And we just talked about when we should change. We should change as they start to engage. One episode in, two episodes in, three episodes in, better at a change. Consume the work yourself. You'll know. Oh, I've seen three episodes of our work. I'm already starting to get bored. Well, pay attention to that. I'm producing a podcast episode with no other voices. I should add some music. I should add some post-production to this because I'm starting to get bored with my own voice. So that's when we should change. All the time in little ways to ensure that our audiences expect the unexpected. What are they anchoring to? How are they describing your work? What do they know to be true? What do they expect? And if you can train them to expect the unexpected in a great way, well, now you make innovation a habit instead of a Hail Mary. Now, in our line of work as creators, there are only four types of anchors, four categories, and five ways to reinvent them. The four types of anchors can be answered with one simple question. There's the container. What is it? A podcast, a video series, a sales process, the container. What is it? There's the contents. How is it made? What goes inside it? What are the parts and pieces? What's the structure? What are the little nodes of the process? The contents of the container. Then there's the purpose. What is it for? We want to build our brand. We want to drive leads. We want to create a mission. We want to start a movement. 
What is it for? Then there's the people. Who does it? Probably the most proprietary thing. Who is behind this work? Those are the four types of angers. The container, the contents, the purpose, and the people. And if you can look at those four categories and start to write down what people are anchoring to, or better yet, interview those people, now you have visibility into how people are forming their expectations of your work. And that helps you exceed them. Not by pulling a stunt, but by reinventing things in small ways. By adding a new little wrinkle so that they experience something slightly unexpected, different, but welcome. Those four types of anchors again. The container, what is it? The contents, how is it made? The purpose, what is it for? And the people, who does it? And once you have your list broken up by those four categories, there's only five ways to reinvent something. Five ways to add a little wrinkle to make sure people expect the unexpected. They are, number one, you can replace an anchor. Substitute an existing anchor for a refreshing new one. So a few examples, uh, in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the TV show, yes, I'm going there. Uh, And by the way, by mentioning Fresh Prince, I'm either dating myself as way young or way old, depending on who you are. But let me give you an example of replacing an anchor. The actress playing Aunt Viv was replaced. She was an anchor and she was replaced. Uh, If you're running a podcast, you might replace an anchor by hiring a new host. If you're trying to drive sales, you might replace a static website page with a personalized website page. Running a blog, you might write stories instead of how-to content. You can replace an anchor, substitute the existing anchor for a refreshing new one. The second way to reinvent is you can reuse an anchor. Don't replace it, reuse it. You can increase the number of times that others encounter that anchor in the same project. So back to our example of TV shows, Kelsey Grammer's Frasier was given an expanded role in Cheers. He was a bit part, and then he was given an expanded role in more episodes. He was reused because people understood it was a positive anchor. It was a good thing. People wanted more of it. Running a podcast, you can give your host a monologue by episode 20 because now you're going to increase the number of times that others encounter that anchor, the host, because she's a proven winning part of the show. If you're driving sales, you substituted a static website for a personalized one. Now you can add personalization across more website pages, reuse the same tactic elsewhere. Running a blog, you can increase the number of posts per week. So the second way to reinvent, you can reuse an anchor. Increase the number of times others encounter that anchor within the same project. The third way to reinvent is to repurpose. It's not reuse. It's a type of reusing, I guess, but repurpose. This is increasing the number of times others encounter that anchor in different projects. You can put it elsewhere. That's why people say you can repackage and repurpose an ebook into blog posts. That's an example. Let's go back to TV, though. Frasier, the character, became Frasier, the show. It was a spinoff. There you go. That one anchor, Frasier Crane, moved from one show to another, repurposing that character, increasing the number of times others encountered the anchor, in different projects. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson in Marvel movies, good example. You can repurpose that character across movies. Let's go back to the same content examples, same workplace examples. Running a podcast, your host can start a video show and MC your company event. That's repurposing the host. Uh, If you're driving sales, rather than just do a bunch of website pages that are personalized, you can start account-based marketing to build on your initial success with personalization. You're moving away from the website and taking the idea of personalization, this anchor, and putting it into another type of marketing, ABM, 
or sales enablement. And if you're running a blog, you can raid your best articles historically for social media content or book content. So the third way to reinvent an anchor, repurpose. Increase the number of times others encounter the anchor in different projects. The fourth way to reinvent is you can remix. Remixing is historically pretty common, and that's simply combining the existing anchor with refreshing new elements, adding things together, combinations, remixing. Uh, A famous example, Bachelor in Paradise. It's The Bachelor, all these characters you've known, hated, watched, tolerated, whatever, but now they're in paradise. They're on a tropical island altogether. Another remix is uh, Reply All, one of my favorite podcasts. Reply All has a remixed type of episode. Instead of telling a story about tech and the internet, they tell a story through a different structure called Yes, Yes, No. Their boss takes a tweet about tech culture or pop culture that he didn't understand. They go around the room and say if they understand it or not, then they try to help their boss get it. Yes, yes, no. They try to turn it to yes, yes, yes. Hot Ones has done some competitions around spicy foods with their former guests. That is a remixed episode. Combine the existing anchor, celebrities and spicy wings, with refreshing new elements like competition, head-to-head battles. Let's go through our business examples again. Hosting a podcast, the host can be joined by a co-host or sent into the field to do reporting, not just sit in an office. If you're trying to drive sales, you can offer personalized deals or giveaways. If you're running a blog, you can test different story formats like documentary style or user-generated content or different elements within a story like little summary boxes. You can remix it, combine an existing anchor with refreshing new elements. Lastly, the fifth way to reinvent an anchor is you can refine it. You can explore that anchor more fully. Go deeper, flesh it out, and improve it. So going back to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, And yes, I'm still on Fresh Prince because the theme song is Eardrugs. How do you refine an anchor like Will Smith's character? Well, you can evolve his character. Again, a show forces you to do this, to to reinvent, and in this case, refine. Will became a little bit more deep and more mature in Fresh Prince. If we're running a podcast, the host could just improve his or her voice as a host. Uh, The company could hire more talent like that initial host. Trying to drive sales? Well, more and more variables can become personalized across your marketing and sales. Running a blog, the stories you've landed on can become more original in structure, tone of voice, style, etc. Refine an anchor. Explore the anchor more fully, go deeper, flesh it out, and improve it. There are five ways we can reinvent. Five ways, that's it. You can replace an anchor, reuse an anchor within the same project, repurpose an anchor across different projects, remix it, or refine it. Five ways to reinvent the anchors. There are four types of anchors and five ways to reinvent them. And now, hopefully with this process, we've created a way to address my favorite quotes. How do we do work we care about? How do we make it more consistent so it becomes a way of operating? And how can we deliver something unique that shocks, astounds, and bewitches people? How can we do that? It all starts with understanding how others experience our work. Exceeding their expectations once is not enough. We have to consistently reinvent the work. Not by pulling big stunts, but by adding little wrinkles, small but welcome changes, right as people think they know exactly what to expect, 
right as they're expecting the status quo, we give them something better, a refreshing change, a tiny reinvention. Creativity isn't an idea. It's not a moment or a gift. Innovation is not a technology, and it's certainly not a stunt. So when we hear innovate and we think about going big, that's a cliche, and and I know cliche. No, all of this work, this creative stuff we do, it's about one thing, people. People who make choices, not at a conference, listening to a podcast, going for a walk, not in theory, but in reality. When we all go back to work and the feeling of this episode has long since faded, we choose to work this way. We choose to make creativity the way we operate. We make it consistent. We add wrinkles to what we do constantly. We choose to operate that way because we want to do work we care about. We want to do so consistently so we can constantly improve until it becomes a way of operating. It might be bad advice to follow your passion, just like it might be bad advice to reinvent what's working while it's still working. But if you feel in your heart, if you know, if you have reason to believe that you can be awesome at something, that you can do something unique that will shock and astound and terrify people and bewitch them, do that. As always, Unthinkable is hosted and in this case written by me, Jay Akunzo. And if you're interested in this topic and all the different stories and frameworks and science I'm working through, and you'd like to hear me deliver that as a speech at your company, shoot me an email, shoot me a note through my website, jay at unthinkablemedia.com or visit jayakunzo.com. I'll talk to you next time. See ya.